web, building in Web3 is very difficult. Yeah. It's frustrating. Can you do a million transactions per second? A million. I mean, in 10 years from now, I hope both of us are sitting here with our luscious head of hair. Uh, I was going to be like, being fed grapes. <laughs> on, yeah, no, yeah. Well, I do listen to your show a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, would be, that would be a great feature for us. We're going to DJ together. So. I love it. I love it. One of the biggest questions of the last crypto cycle was whether we were going to have enough block space, enough speed, enough security to scale for mainstream adoption. In this cycle, we have seemingly countless layer ones and layer twos to help those layer ones scale. Now we just need the mainstream to come and adopt this technology. I spoke to one of my favorite people, Moshe, about how that's going to happen, what factors are going to lead to mainstream adoption moving forward into the future, and of course, how his project, Aptos, is preparing for mainstream adoption. That's dope. That's dope. It's funny because I think last time we talked, we were like, uh, Really upset at how low the token price. I know we're not talking. That's not what we're talking about. Token price. And then it was like the, the next day. Like damn, did we like? <laughs> uh, am I like the the rainmaker? What's up? Hey, I think you take full you take full credit for that. So uh, listen, it's funny. I was just having a conversation about this, but it's like a year ago there was this fear that we were going to not have enough blockchain, no block space for anything, and now it feels like in the last six months, like a hundred new layer twos and layer ones. And now all of a sudden we're in the depths of the bear market. There's no liquidity and there's no volume. There's no anything. So now do we have too much? Uh, uh, too much block space? Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's a, it's a great question. So I, I mean, from a block space perspective, for, uh, based on the existing Web3 activity, one might be able to draw that conclusion. But I think the more interesting to think, uh, thing to look at is where are we headed for the future, right? And so the future, what we're seeing signals from is Web2 companies entering the space. And they're entering in a massive way. PayPal just launched their stablecoin a few months ago. Microsoft chose to partner with Aptos. They're, we're doing some AI stuff together. And the numbers that these you know, large companies need in the world are millions of people with millions of transactions on a daily basis. Now, if you look at L1 infrastructure today, it doesn't quite support it the way we need it to. There are reliability issues. We saw protocols that are trying to upgrade. They turn off uh, in the middle of the day to upgrade. Imagine cloud saying, hey guys, we're upgrading, we're gonna be off for an hour, come back. Yeah. That's not the world that a Web2 company is going to be willing to operate in. So I think, although there may be block space, you have to look at the quality of the block space that's out there today. Right. And you know, Web2 companies don't feel comfortable that that quality is there. So you know, we're obviously excited from an Aptos perspective, not only providing block space, but the highest quality block space possible. And so you know, we're looking at not only next year, but the years after, and we think there's going to be much more demand out there. I'll give a little preview. Yeah. You know, today we support 30,000 transactions per second with sub-second finality. A transaction costs a fraction of a penny. Our network's been live for 11 months and we've had no downtime. None. How many protocols can say that? Right. Right. And so from a performance perspective, a, a cost perspective and a reliability perspective, we're unmatched. That's awesome. We're happy about that. But we can't settle on the existing block space that we have. We've had large Web2 companies come to us and say, can you do a million transactions per second? A million. <laughs> and so, you know, at first we kind of chuckle. We're like, what are you guys talking about? And then when you dig in as to why, you, you start to understand it, it does make a lot of sense. You have money that needs to move. 
concurrently with a digital asset like an NFT that needs to move. You might have metadata that needs to be on chain. And so all of a sudden you have all of these uh, transactions that actually need to be supported right. on so the We're protocol. thinking about transactions. We're not talking about a million people that are paying, sending or receiving money to one another. You're talking about all of the actually back end. And exactly, exactly. And so there's two things that we're doing to get there. One, we're actually upgrading our fault tolerant consensus mechanism called Hot Stuff. We also research Bull Shark. However, we just recently released a, a, a white paper called Shoal. Shoal is a consensus mechanism that takes the best of both of those worlds and allows you to have a faster round trip. And what that all essentially means is faster uh, consensus, faster time to finality. That is already actually being implemented. This isn't theoretical in right. 2027. We've actually had the first implementation of it with something called Quorum Store. So now you're going to be implement, uh, we've been able to get to 30K transactions per second. By the end of this year, we're, we might be at around 100 to 150,000 transactions per second. That's a big difference. Big difference. Still far from a million though. Still far from a million, but how do we get there? We're working on something called sharding, obviously. And we're looking at sharding in ways that no one has really researched it, where you don't compromise safety and security, and stake still powers those shards in a way that you can't you know, compromise uh, you know, the challenges that I mentioned. And so together with consensus and with sharding, by the end of 2024, we might be you know, close to a million transactions per second. When you talk about the quality of block space, I get why yours is high quality, you just broke it down, but what makes poor quality block space? I mean, it's a, that's a great question. I think uh, poor quality block space is, you know, block space that may not be, that might say, suffer downtime. It may be very expensive when a lot of people are trying to use the network. And so if you're a large payment network, like, you know, uh, one of the payment networks out there in the world, yeah. imagine you're trying to push transactions through and now all of a sudden gas fees went up. You went from charging two and a half percent to your merchants yeah. to now having to add on another seven cents. That's not going to work for a payment network company, right? right? And so, you know, that's low quality block space. You know, you know, L2s, L1s going down for whatever reasons. That you're not going to see large Web2 companies actually embrace that low quality block space. You guys haven't gone down in 11 months, like as you said, but has there been a stress test moment where you really got to test what was possible. Have you had it pushed to where you were at your maximum transactions per yep. second and saw what would happen? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, knock on some wood, but yes, yeah, so we haven't gone down um, to date. Um, but yeah, we, we test our network very rigorously. We have a, a private test net that's actually stood up that we deploy any upgrade. We've done 47 AIPs to date, improvement protocol processes. And some of them have been submitted by the community. And we don't know what those, you know, what those upgrades might hold. So before we bring them directly into implementation, we put them through the test net and actually see how they can, you know, get the, uh, you know, uh, bugs of the kinks sort of ironed out. So as those uh, uh, AIPs are being implemented, we're actually getting, you know, some kinks ironed out. And some of them we see, like, okay, there's a little, there's a little wrinkle here that we want to iron out. There's an issue with move potentially here that we want to make sure is smoothed out. And so. A lot of that testing is done on the back end and obviously makes its way where, you know, we don't take the, per the main net down when we're doing any upgrades and you know, some of the challenges and the uh, issues that we might catch in a test net environment don't make their way over to mainnet. It's interesting because in the first question I asked, you know, do we have too much block space, obviously, and you hinted at the fact that it's all of Web2 coming. The answer I usually get is like, well, institutions are coming and it's always financial but that's not where you're clearly focused at all. And nobody's talking about the fact that all of these Web2 
companies are likely coming into the space. I, I literally never hear anyone talk about it right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, happy to share a couple, right? Like, uh, we announced our partnership with Microsoft about um, a month and a half ago. And, you know, Microsoft was uh, interested in obviously taking AI to the next level. Right, right. And, you know, we have an interesting value proposition as a blockchain that could solve some of their challenges. You know, a high quality data could potentially be, you know, it might exist on a blockchain. That information can train these models in, you know, in a more efficient way, perhaps. And so when we started ch chatting with Microsoft, they realized, well, if you can use um, natural language querying using the Aptos blockchain, you might be able to say, well, how much money moved around on the Aptos blockchain today? Verified result. If you have tokenized assets on the Aptos blockchain, you might be able to say how much you know, money market funds, well, what was the money market fund volume today? Without having to rely on a centralized entity. And that we think is incredibly powerful because now you can start to do all sorts of interesting things, build a real-time you know, uh, risk management portfolio with tokenized assets powered by AI. That's something that we're excited about from a future perspective. Seems like AI took some of the shine off crypto for a while, right? Like you have all the VCs who are like, they were all crypto VCs, uh, pivoted to AI now. But are there more places, do you think, where the two worlds converge naturally other than what you're saying? A lot of the ideas I've heard sound very forced. Like people are just trying to come up with stuff because they want to you know, convince somebody that, that it matters. But I think there are some real areas where the two might work together. Yeah, I mean, the, the, fir the, the first one is something we call the Aptos Assistant. So Microsoft and Aptos together, we're building this assistant so that you can use natural language querying to understand what's going on in a Web3 ecosystem. And you have verified results, essentially, right? And so that's, are you going to trust results from you know, random scrapings of the web, World Wide Web or you know, something coming queried from a verified database? That's one. The second is a GitHub Copilot. And so right now, what we've learned and what we hear is web, building in Web3 is very difficult, yeah. it's frustrating. And so together with Microsoft and Aptos, we're building a GitHub Copilot where if you wanted to write a um, you know, Web3 application in a line of smart, uh, Move smart contract, you don't even need to know Move. And so we think that's going to really lower the barrier of entry um, and make it incredibly easy, not only for existing Web3 developers, but Web2 developers might even have an amazing and seamless uh, development experience. And then the third thing that we're working on is building future applications. Finance is something that's really important to Microsoft and something that I think we dream about from an AI perspective as well, right? Imagine saying, hey, to your AI assistant, build out a real-time risk management portfolio, right? Something I think your audience might love. Yeah, maybe. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and if that's the case, you need verified information. Now, Microsoft has amazing Web2 partners, exchanges, asset managers, other financial institutions. And we're today, together, we're going to be exploring building products with Microsoft for financial markets use cases specifically. So that's something that we're working on together. Talk about all the verified information. Does that somewhat replace oracles and the... That's a really good point. I mean, oracles have an amazing, uh, have served an amazing purpose, but who do we rely on? You know, maybe Morgan Stanley, maybe Bloomberg. These oracles can now evolve to on-chain oracles. And so as more and more assets come on-chain, pricing information comes on chain, all this information can be fed and create a much more real-time verified Oracle that can feed into AI models. Yeah, that could be cool. And so we're even, you know, and one might say like, okay, that's nice, but you know, Mo, that's all like Web2 world coming in. It's again, it's gonna take some time. And that's, that's true, it will. But two days ago, we announced a partnership with SushiSwap. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm choking over here. All the air in Singapore getting to my throat. Yeah. Um, the, um, 
uh, SushiSwap, a, a darling of DeFi, creating open financial systems in the, in the world, building the EVM ecosystem for such a long time, had a chance to look into you know, some of the challenges that they're facing. And they started to look at Aptos and Move and what Aptos and Move can do for moving some of the, um, you know, the features that Sushi wants to build into the future. And so we're you know, very excited about the partnership that we now have with them, where Sushi selected Aptos as their first non-EVM chain to build on top of. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that's really amazing. Do you think that, I don't know how to ask this question, but we have all these different sort of categories of what you know, chains are being used for, NFT, metaverse, gaming, blah, blah. Do you think that one chain should do all of those things, or do you think that chains should be more like fit for purpose to a specific purpose, and that the communities and developers on those chains should focus on that one thing? Can, can Aptos become the chain for everything? I guess that's the, the question. Man, I, I always love the, the hard questions. Um, if you look at protocols today, um, there's so many that do different things, um, whether it's payment networks like ACH and SWIFT, or you know, other protocols that might be sharing data, exchanging data. They, and they have to figure out how to work together. It's quite clunky and yeah. inefficient. And so a lot of people have realized that and are trying to figure out what is a much more efficient unified protocol to help you know, uh, alleviate a lot of this overhead that's managed by gluing these protocols in the back end with some you know, Band-Aid and bubblegum. We think one protocol, two, three maybe, might solve this problem. We think network effects might accumulate to one of these protocols. How do you get there? You know, you have to be able to provide high quality block space, as you right. mentioned. But I think you also need to be able to work with partners and meet them where they are. We spend a lot of time with, you know, financial institutions, anyone like, you know, uh, Microsoft or even MasterCard, and helping them understand here's the bridge to Web3 and a unified standard that might make sense to work on. And so, if you bring that level of collaboration and again, make it as easy as possible to build with high quality block space, we think one or two networks might take the lion's share of network effects. And we certainly hope Aptos could be one of those networks. It's interesting because I think in the last cycle, the narrative was interoperability. Everybody was going to win and we just had to make them all work together. Also because like it seems every bridge and wormhole got hacked and so people just kind of gave up on, on making them work together. But I don't hear people talking about interoperability in the way that they used to. Yeah, br bridges are interesting. I think they, um, they, they, they give you some features, but it, they come at certainly at a, at a cost. And so, you know, whether that's security, safety, uh, latency, other complexities of management, um, the overhead of management. And, and so it, it will be an interesting environment for engineers, developers, uh, companies to have to navigate. You know, do you want to manage another instance of a protocol integration? You know, what, is, what do you get for that? And so I think, you know, Web3 companies, Web2 companies are all going to ask themselves, what do I get by implementing this and what risk am I really taking on and is it worth it for me? And so, you know, this is where we think it's so early in the Web3 world and we, we don't have one application that has a billion users today. No. And so, and we're coming to a point where we have seen some promise in some applications. Reliability has become a challenge for some of those applications to scale. So, you know, we think Aptos offers something quite unique where we might see a billion user application very soon, and that can lead to a lot of these, you know, network effects again accumulating where, you know, where, where you're projecting. What do you think that billion user application could be? I think a lot of people sit around and they go, we've had this stuff for, and it's nothing, but you know, 10 years, 12 years, where's the killer app? 
Where is it? Like, why don't we have it? How did how did ChatGPT appear one day? Which, by the way, it took decades, people, to, 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 if we're being honest, with AI. But like, appeared million users, 10 million users, whatever those numbers are. Where's the, what's the killer app for us? What's the thing you think has the best chance to sort of take us over the hump? Man, I, I'll give you three examples. Two of them might be a little boring. So um, Boring's fine. <laughs> you know, one, one of the most important things, I think, is that unified component. And so a killer app might actually be credentialing, right. identity. Yeah. No one likes to talk about it, but I mean, if I had the same identity that I can take with me everywhere, that would be amazing. And it give me access to my assets in some custodial manner, self-custodial, non-custodial, uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, full custodial. I'd be happy with that, right? And so that is, I think, something that we're, we're all pretty excited about. We're seeing that in work that we're doing with someone like MasterCard. The second thing is actually money. We've seen stable coins reach massive uh, opportunities across global, um, global reach. And it's been the demand for the U.S. dollar, actually, where we've seen that, uh, you know, that adoption. So one would have thought it might have been things like Bitcoin or other protocols, but the demand for the U.S. dollar has been phenomenal growth lever for some of the largest stablecoin issuers that are very popular today. So much so that you see someone like PayPal entering the space. Jose and his team have been working on it for such a long time, and it's been you know, just an amazing ray of, uh, of, uh, of light for the Web3 world to see here's a, one of the largest money movement uh, networks take on and embrace and, and bring uh, money movement to the world. And so that's a great use case for us. The third one, and I think an exciting one probably, is where money credentialing extends uh, its, uh, itself. And that is open finance. You know, DeFi has done a great job of showing us what it could be for someone like Mo and Scott, who's in Singapore, get access to yields that would never be available because we had credentials, we had access to dollars or stable coins, and now we can put them in these interesting pools. We think that's going to evolve in the next permutation of DeFi. So someone like Sushi might be a, a driver for that. Other EVM-based DeFi protocols might be able to benefit immensely by opening up the world um, through uh, new reach and you know, infrastructure like Aptos. So we're excited about some of that stuff to come. But I think access to global economies through open protocols or DeFi protocols could really be empowering to the next generation of, the, of, uh, of wealth uh, creation in the world. You're one of the few people other than myself who said the quiet part out loud about stable coins. Because I always say that stable coins are the killer app. That's my answer. I just Bitcoiners hate that. Yeah. Well, I do listen to your show a lot. But, no, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, the fact is that like, as you said, you made the most important point. As much as we want people all over the world to say, my, my uh, currency is hyperinflating, I should go buy Bitcoin. No, they, they really want dollars. You go to a place like Argentina, they're in the black market literally trying to find cash and now crypto solves that everywhere. It really does and, and it's, it, it's an excellent point and I think it's important to just you know, highlight that it's not Bitcoin or stable coins. Yeah, I of think course. You know, we, should, we should all be very happy that Bitcoin serves a very important purpose and it's very special to us, right? It protects us from all sorts of interesting dynamics happening in the world and different countries. And you know, I think we're all very happy of that use case has not changed at all. In fact, has strengthened over the last decade. Stable coins give us a different kind of exposure, whether it gives you access to DeFi uh, pools or just serves as a hedge to hyperinflationary uh, you know, currency. Uh, but now it's for the first time it's made available in a more efficient way. You had to get dollars going to like a you know, some, uh, if you're living in an emerging market, you, you're risking yeah, your life to go to a kiosk to get yeah. USD. You're, you know, paying a lot of fees on At top of that. a ridiculous premium, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think stable coins have helped solve that problem. 
And I think we should all be happy that Bitcoin and stable coins live side by side and really open up the world for Web3 in new ways. And I'm excited about the future for both of these assets uh, together. I think you presented a lot of it, but if you had to look, I, hate, I don't ask people about a year or three years or five years, but if you had to look 10 years into the future, what's the, well, what's the grandest vision for Aptos, I get, but, but if it doesn't reach the grandest vision, where, what would you be happy with? What, where would you say I'm successful? This is doing exactly what I wanted it to do. Yeah. I mean, in 10 years from now, I hope both of us are sitting here with our luscious head of hair. Uh, I was going to be like, we fed grapes. That would be a great feature for us. Uh, but, but I think, you know, what I would love to see, I mean, we're, we're here at, at, uh, at Token 2049 in Singapore. And I mean, this floor is packed. And it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's walk, it, you barely have standing room, right? And so it's amazing to see the number of companies grow year over year. And I think Asia has benefited immensely. And so I think 10 years from now, I mean, it would be, well, it would be amazing to see not only this part of the world innovate, but be one of those breakthrough applications where the next billion users, you know, it, call it your Facebook, your Twitter, or whatever it may be, comes from this part of the world and is enabled and powered by Web3 and everyone is dying to get to that booth. That would be something I think that's really empowering. The second part to that I think would be every Web2 company is in here with their booths as well. That's right. And I think that we're already seeing that. I see Google, Microsoft, all these large companies kind of hovering around with their with logos plastered everywhere. And I would love to see them competing for booth space. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, and I would love for it when you visit their booth that they're not just here talking about their Web3 wing or whatever. It's just how their business is run. Google's just here, I, I love and that. it's part of it, right? Or that they're, uh, they're not even crypto conventions anymore. They're just like <laughs> technology shows or whatever, man. The hottest new uh, tech crunch is a crypto event. Yeah, I love the vision, man. Always a pleasure to talk. Appreciate man. Thank you, man. you so much. Appreciate We're going to DJ together. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it.